kick things off by a man by the name of Jay John who tells a cracker of a story that I want to share with you. Thanks, Jay John. There was a, a family that had acquired a little new kitten and they were playing with their new kitten in the garden and the kitten went up a tree and it got stuck between two sharp branches and it couldn't get out and it was in a lot of distress. And the family tried to get to the little kitten, but because of all the branches, it was very difficult to get to it. But the father was a pastor, and he was always coming up with great ideas. So he says, don't worry, daddy to the rescue. I'm going to get my car. I'm going to get a rope. I'm going to tie the rope around the tree. I'm going to tie it onto the car. I'm going to get in the car. I'm going to drive a bit. The tree will come down and then we'll be able to maneuver around and we'll be able to save the little kitten. Everyone said, Daddy, to the rescue. Daddy gets his car, gets the rope, ties the rope around the tree, ties it onto the car, gets in the car, begins to drive. Slowly, slowly, the tree's bending, bending. The car's moving. As the car moves, as the tree bends, the rope snaps. As the rope snaps, the tree flings back and the little pussycat goes flying in the opposite direction. And that's the end of the story. <laughs> Two weeks later, the pastor is visiting a member of his congregation. He knocks on the door, the door opens, the lady says, Pastor, come in. As he walks in, there in the hallway was his little kitten. He knew it was unmistakable. So he didn't want to say to her, that's my kitten. So he said, that's a lovely little kitten you've got. Have you had her long? She says, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. But it was two weeks ago. It was a hot, sunny Saturday afternoon. And I was in my garden with our little son, Johnny. And Johnny said, Mummy, please, can we have a kitten? And I said, No, we are not having a cat. We've discussed this many, many times. We're not going to have a kitten. But pastor, he pestered me and pestered me. The only thing I could think of doing was to say, I'll tell you what, Johnny, let's kneel down here in the garden and we'll pray to the Lord Jesus. And if the Lord Jesus wants to give you a kitten, he'll give you a kitten. Pastor, you are not going to believe this. When we pray, coincidences happen. And when we don't, they don't. How good is that story? <laughs> when we pray, coincidences happen. And when we don't pray, coincidences happen far, far less. See, when we pray, what's actually happening is we, we're growing in our familiarity of how the rhythms of God work. We're falling in sync with the rhythms of God. We're becoming more comfortable with how God works and, and how God leads us. And last week I spoke about the rhythms. It actually spilt out of my mouth at a particular moment in the sermon. And as I reflected on that while I was preaching, so I was preaching and I was reflecting on that, I'm thinking, wow, I think I've got to talk more about that. 
next week. You see, frequently the Spirit of God preaches to me as I'm preaching as much as he preaches to you whilst you're listening. And so today I kind of want to delve a little bit more into what it means to live in the rhythms of the Holy Spirit. And those rhythms become available to us when we pray. The more we pray, the more we're ushered in to the rhythms of God's Spirit. Uh, that rhythm is seen best in the book of Acts. We see the Holy Spirit come on the people of God and kind of explode and it sort of enables them immediately to find a different rhythm for living life. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at the book of Acts and kind of move through um, uh, the, the first several chapters of that at quite a fast rate, but to, to gain an idea of how these rhythms work. So, quick question. How many mentions of the Holy Spirit are in the book of Acts? What do you reckon? Yep, you chat with the person next to you. If you're bold enough, you can put it in the comments. What do you reckon? How many mentions of the Holy Spirit are there in Acts? And the winner is 63. Anyone come close? 63. My hope today is that you find more of the rhythms of the Spirit for your life. That exploring more of the Scripture would allow the Scripture to explore more of your life right now. You would feel more empowered and encouraged and enthused to stay with or to move in to the spirit, the rhythms of the spirit. You see, when we, when we pray, it creates in us an anticipation for what God will do. That's an anticipation of the Holy Spirit. In fact, we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 2, so the second verse of this book of Acts, until the day he was taken up to heaven, that's Jesus, before he was taken up, he gave instructions by the power of the Holy Spirit to the men he had chosen as his apostles. So Jesus speaks to them in this power of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is starting to really resonate in the early church or what would become the early church. And as he's speaking, as Jesus is speaking, these words of his Spirit are coming out. And then just three verses later, in verse 5, it says, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Anticipate what is coming. There is something amazing and beautiful and, and, and just divine on its way in the form of this Holy Spirit who you, you've heard about and your ancestors have maybe spoken about, but it will be available to you. The Holy Spirit as a person will be available to you. Living in anticipation of what the Spirit will do is the foundation of discipleship. For, for you and I to be disciples, to follow Jesus, to grow in our love for God, to really live obedient lives to Jesus. The, the anticipation of what the Spirit is going to do lives at the very center, the very foundation of this. Disciples, when they look into the world, they look at it and say, how is the Holy Spirit going to alter and affect and enrich my experience today? How is it going to shape the relationships and friendships that I have? What's it going to cause me to do in a new and exciting way that I haven't done before? What is the Holy Spirit going to um, uh, open up for me to step into today? That viewpoint is conceived and then birthed out of personal prayer. Personal positioning with the Holy Spirit for the Spirit of God to really speak to us. And, and when we do, something really wonderful takes place. Because a person is then filled and empowered beyond their own abilities and presence. The Holy Spirit fills and empowers beyond a person's own abilities and presence. <laughs> Alright, let's go to Acts 2 verse 4. 
This is Pentecost. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost in some traditions enabled them too. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's incredible. I think here what's most important for us to focus on isn't how we experience the filling of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of emphasis being put on that. I even spoke about it last week. How do you, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? What does that feel like? But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is, is the fruit of the Holy Spirit being put in someone, being seen in their lives. Because if the Holy Spirit is put in someone, the fruit will be seen in their lives, right? If the Holy Spirit is not in them, the fruit will not be seen in their lives. It's just basic biology. So when the Holy Spirit is put on a person, they start to live differently. They, they love more sincerely and deeply. They care more attentively. They, they are generous. They are self-controlled. They are more patient. They are growing in peace. They are filled with the joy that is beyond themselves and so on and so forth. Galatians talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's how we know someone is filled with the Holy Spirit because these changes start to develop and bloom and blossom and, and bear fruit. In a person's life. It's funny isn't it? We can say all we like about being filled with the Holy Spirit and our very lives will either complement that or betray us. <laughs> How we live and who we are, are we filled with the Spirit? I've encountered lots of people over the years who've looked down on others who have not been filled with the Holy Spirit in their opinion. And they'll look down on them and they'll almost be dismissive or disrespectful or hurtful or poof, Oh, they need the Spirit. They need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's going on with them? They're not, they're not Spirit-filled. And, and what fascinates me is when I encounter people like that, they, the very Spirit with which they're coming and they're saying those sort of things is not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's a spirit of pride. It's a spirit of self-righteousness that I am above those things because I have God. And, and that's the very Spirit that the, the Holy Spirit will not will not choose to live with. <laughs> now Jesus is just hammers that home in the scriptures and the gospels when he goes toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Pharisees that pride and the Holy Spirit cannot cannot live in the same home. It, it can't work, right? Because pride says it's all about my life and I'm up to everything. And the Holy Spirit says my life is all about God's life and I'm up for anything God says. And those two things can't exist in the same person. So, so we know by the way that a person Sorry, I just thought that was a snake. <laughs> I thought it was a stick. <clears throat> we know someone is filled with the Holy Spirit because they're adopting the rhythms of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Holy Spirit, the peace of the Holy Spirit, the self-control of the Holy Spirit. And they're saying, yes, have your way more and more and more in me. And, and they're just pursuing that and enabling that to take place. So what do you suppose is the purpose of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Why would God do that? Why would God fill a person with the Holy Spirit? Take just a couple of seconds, share the first thing that comes to your mind with the person that you're with, if you're with anyone. Why, why are we filled with the Holy Spirit? So why do you suppose it is? There is a purpose and it's beyond our personal gratification it's beyond the experience we have it's beyond our intimacy with God it's beyond um, anything that we might gain from that experience it goes beyond that the reason why a person is filled with the Holy Spirit 
is to bear witness to God. It's to offer a message of the good news. In Acts 2 verses 17 and 18, uh, this is what it says. This is what I will do in the last days, God says. I will pour out my spirit on everyone. Your sons and your daughters will proclaim my message. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will have dreams. They're about the message, right? So the visions are about the message. And the dreams are about the message, and the message is why we have been had the Spirit placed in us. Yes, even on my servants, so slaves, all demographics of society, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days, and they will proclaim my message. The, the whole reason we are filled with the Spirit of God is to put voice to the message of God. Now, what is the message of God? The message of God is good news. It's actually the good news. It's the gospel. We, we don't have to live a life trying to please God. We don't ever have to do anything that stacks up to be good enough for God because he loves us. And because of his love for us, he has made us be good enough through Jesus Christ. And so we don't have to, to live to please God. Um, we've had all those expectations taken away from us. Except that out of the love that we receive, we might love others. The Spirit refreshes that message in us. The Holy Spirit grounds us in the truth of that message. It communicates the wealth of that message to us on a daily basis that we might preach to ourselves in order that we might offer that to others. I find that I'm repeatedly having to preach to myself out of the gospel. You may get caught in those loops of whether it's um, competition or um, loneliness or struggle or overwhelmed or hopelessness. I, I find that by the Spirit's power and through the Spirit, I, I need to preach again to myself. And I would encourage you to move into that space of preaching to yourself of what has Jesus done for you? And what are you worried about because of what Jesus has done? See, and then most compellingly out of that, that the Spirit goes with people who are moving away from sin. Yeah, the Spirit goes with people who are moving away from sin. In this day and age, this has to be the mis most dismissed truth in Christendom, doesn't it? That the, the, the Spirit goes with people who are moving away from sin. We, we have so diminished the place of sin in our theology that we don't like to consider that God would move back from us, move his presence back from us, move the spirit of God back from us if we're deliberately disobeying, disobeying him. And I think part of the reason we don't recognize that is we don't live so much reliant on the spirit. So when it comes time to, to have the spirit taken away because of our disobedience, we might, might, might not miss it as much as we, we hope we would. But, but we say things like, surely God gets my situation. He's okay with that. Or, or but it's not really a big deal. Is it God? It doesn't really bother God. Or, well, it's not hurting anyone. Why should it matter to God? And, and these phrases, they justify a brokenness that Jesus wants to heal us from. We, we give ourselves permission to feed on things that are contrary to the Holy Spirit and to who God wants to be to us. But here in Acts, God was familiarizing people with the Holy Spirit. He was helping them understand again and understanding of who the Holy Spirit was and lean into the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 38 of chapter 2, Peter says to them, Each of you must turn away from your sins. 
and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ so that your sins will be forgiven and then you'll receive God's gift, the Holy Spirit. And so we go, okay, well that's alright. Like I, I used to sin and I've been forgiven, like capital S sin, I've been saved from that state of sin and we're, we're good. But listen to Acts 5.32. We are witnesses to these things, we and the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to those who obey him. Is, is Luke daring to say that we risk forfeiting the gift of the Holy Spirit if we live in a way that's disobedient to God? Now, when you hear the word disobedient and obedience, don't think perfection. We're not meant or called to or ever implied that we should live a perfect life. If we lived a perfect life, there would be no need for God. But our perfection is as Jesus classes it. So we are only perfect because Jesus calls us perfect and stands in our way as God looks upon us and he sees the perfection of Christ instead of our brokenness. And he judges Christ, um, judges our lives based on Christ, not on based on us. What these verses are talking about is, is that if everything in your life is oriented toward God, that's seen as obedience. But if there's aspects of your life that are oriented actively away from God, that's disobedience. So, so think about your life, your, your thought life, your media life, your sex life, your parenting life, your life as a neighbour, your, your life as a friend at work, your life as a carer of our environment. If, if one of those areas is significantly pointing away from what we know God desires, because what God has said to us through His Spirit, through Jesus, and through the Bible, if our life is pointing in the other direction, God withdraws, He holds back the fullness of His Spirit. Because it cannot be present and enabling someone to move away from Him. It can't work that way. It will be God against God's self. It doesn't make any sense. Which connects us to this next point. The Spirit paves the way for God's voice to be heard. The Spirit paves the way for God's voice to be heard. Remember, yes, last week we talked about in the beginning was the Spirit, and, and that because the Spirit was present, God's voice could be heard to call forth creation into what it is. Acts 4 verse 8 says, Peter, who was full of the Holy Spirit, answered them, he said leaders of people and the elders and he went on to preach. He was full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was there before his words had a gravitas of God's voice. Just like the Holy Spirit is working in us, preparing us to hear the words of God. Without the Spirit's work in us of softening our heart and reorientating our heart to God, we would never hear God's voice. We would never be interested in God's voice. What about Acts 4.25? By means of the Holy Spirit, you spoke, so this is a prayer that's being said, by the means of the Holy Spirit, you spoke through our ancestor David, your servant, when he said, why were the Gentiles furious? Why do people make their useless idols, useless plots? Um, he, Peter is saying that, that the, the story they have that he refers back to, even King David, even King David, the Spirit was at work in him, enabling him, he, him to hear the voice of God. See, the Spirit enables the voice of God to be heard. If you want to hear God's voice more, you must entertain the Spirit's presence more. If you want to hear God's voice more, you must entertain the Spirit's presence more.
Now let me share with you a story about how this kind of can come to be. There was a man who was a tourist in a, a Asian country, which was predominantly Muslim. And he one day was traveling past one of the temples where the um, religious leaders of that place um, were sacrificing a cow in front of the altar, which was basically on the street in this temple. So he, he walks past, he has a camera, and he looks at this take place and look and so that thinks that's fascinating. Wow, you don't get to see that at home. And he pulls out his camera and he, he takes a couple of photos. Later on that day, he's in his hotel room uh, with his wife, and, and, and the Spirit of God that was with him all day and, 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 and kind of pointing out that he should take a photo that the Spirit of God paves the way for the voice of God and the voice of God says it is not my will that that be taking place I gave a greater sacrifice for them I want you to go back tomorrow and tell them and so this man who's a Christian who's there on holidays wonders if he's been called to be a missionary or not so so he starts to he starts to pray and he starts to sit in this and he feels like he should fast and so he fasts that evening and the next day he um he gets his bag and he had his bible and a few other tracts and whatnot in that and he goes down to the square and he starts to to give these tracts out and to tell people about jesus who was the ultimate sacrifice he returned to to his room that night chuffed just stoked he's like oh, that went really really well and um and he felt the spirit of god sitting heavy on his life enable God's voice to say um, I want you to fast again tonight I want you to go back tomorrow to the same place and do the same thing and so he did he continued to fast and he went back the next day to the bazaar to the marketplace where where the temple was and he continued to do it and and then he finished that day thinking he'd done great and again the Spirit of God paved the way for the voice of God to say to him I, I, you should go back they need to hear more and and this continued and as it continued hostility started to build they could they could handle the the, the people of that um, place could handle a, a spiritual nutter for a couple of days but he kept coming back and he kept talking about this Jesus and he kept upsetting people and as he kept coming back the threats began and one day they they took his Bible off him and they tore it to pieces they they threw away the tracks that he had um, they another day they, they beat him up other days they um they really um, made him fearful and say we will we're gonna come and find you and take all your possessions but every night he would return home and feel the, the voice of God say to him um, you need to keep going you need to keep preaching they need to hear about Jesus regardless of the cost so on the 40th day after 40 days of fasting he came home he went he went on the 39th day sorry he went to the the bazaar and there were two men who came up to him and, and said we need to tell your friend that if you come back we will kill you um, we, we're not we're not kidding this won't be tolerated uh, this is how things are gonna end for you if you come back tomorrow you need to leave so he came home and he spent the night in prayer and fasting and he said to his wife um, I need to go back God is telling me to go back uh, but I may not see you ever again and so that morning he got up and he went to the, the bazaar and the first two men that he met were the two men that warned him off yesterday and they called him a fool and said, what are you doing? And they had weapons and they were about to kill him. And as they went forward to kill him, suddenly the crowd parted with these two giant men, these men that were massive, 
walking through toward this group of three, this hostility about to go down. And as they, they walked toward the, um, the, the, this man, the, the two Acostas froze and, and their weapons dropped to the ground. And then the two men took hold of this missionary and they walked him out through the crowd and down a couple of side alleys. When the man turned round, there was no one following. And then these messengers from God said, you've preached enough in this space. You've paved the way for the Spirit of God to do more. Thank you for being obedient. Thank you for giving it all. And then the story concludes that this man ended up moving there and planted a church there and saw incredible things happen because of his sole reliance on the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible story, isn't it? Now, for some of you, you will be like, yes, let's take the hill, let's do it. And to you, I would say, go. Lean into the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit and go. Go out and do what God is telling you to do. But for some of you, and I, this is why I feel drawn to this place, for some of you, you're not inspired by that story. It's more like there's a greater weight on your shoulders. You feel a sense of like, oh, you, Ralph, you don't understand. It's been so hard just to pray. Like to feel connected to my faith. Like there, there hasn't been church. It's just this digital thing or my sermon notes. And it's great, but I've missed so much. And I don't feel like I'm in a vibrant place to chase after the Holy Spirit to my death. I actually feel like I'm in a space that's pretty fragile. In fact, I feel overcome by helplessness and, and hopelessness. And I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move forward in this. And you're just feeling flattened and smashed and squashed. Your faith isn't blazing hot. You feel terrible about it. You can't talk to anyone about it because what will people say? I want to tell you that it's okay. It's okay to feel this way. You're not alone. You're not alone. Most of the church across our world, especially the Western world, we feel this way. <laughs> You're not alone. It's okay. Don't keep on beating yourself up. It's not a problem with your faith. It's not a problem with God. It's not even a problem with the church. It's, it's one of the things that has just naturally happened. It's, it's been the effect of what we've all experienced in these last three or four months. Stop beating yourself up. Stop trying to become someone or something you're not and feeling bad that you can't do those things. Stop reminiscing on how good it used to be and like, oh, how much has been taken away. It doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It doesn't mean something's wrong with your faith. But it is likely that there are things of faith, of church, of mission. This is what I've had to search in my own spirit. They've, they've, they've taken up more of a place than I thought they had in our lives, right? They're more important than maybe they should be. They're more important, not completely than the Holy Spirit, but sometimes definitely more than the Holy Spirit. And those things have been taken away from us. And, and it's an amazing opportunity to go, oh, we don't have those things. But instead of trying to aspire to what life was like pre, what does it look like now to be filled with the Holy Spirit? To live in step with the Spirit? To be led by the Spirit? What does that look like now? Because everything's changed. Everything's shifted. And what a wonderful gift it can be to us that everything has been taken away because we actually have the opportunity to find God again. I reckon King David 
who I mentioned just just a few minutes ago, King David had this. I reckon there were times when he just had the weight of the world on his shoulders. When he felt like he was in a hopeless or helpless situation, he didn't know how to come against the powers of the day. He was just smashed and flattened and struggling. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And I, and I think that's, that's maybe what was was occupying his mind when he, when he wrote a psalm that I'm going to read over you in a minute. And I read this psalm to you because its words, as familiar as they'll be, offer the rhythms of the Holy Spirit in the particular place that you're in. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the psalm, but I'm going to read a line and then I'm going to ask a question which relates to that line. And as you track through with me, I, I want you to wait for the question that takes your thoughts somewhere else and dwell there. You don't need to listen to me. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will take one of these questions and take your thoughts to somewhere else and I want you to stay there. I don't want you to think, oh, I've got to get back to listen to this. I want you to stay there and wrestle with that question and look at that question and examine that question and what does it mean for you? And for those of you that might tune in now and go, there's so many good questions there. I'll, I'll make them accessible to you. But, but for the, 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 the essence of this exercise, I want you to, to do that. To, to listen to these questions and the one that grabs your attention and you start to think more and more on just forget about the rest of what I say and just spend some time there and then we're going to leave some f five minutes of just space for you to ponder that question with God with the Holy Spirit ministering to you and then I'm going to conclude in prayer and then we're going to sing a song and wrap things up alright so here it is this is Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. Do I know the Lord in a way where I lack nothing else? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Is this a time when God is making me lie down and rest in him? He leads me beside quiet waters. Where is God leading me? He refreshes my soul. How does God want my soul to be refreshed? He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. How might the path I'm on be for his namesake? Even though I walk through the darkest valley, what is making my current valley so dark? I will fear no evil. What is it that I fear? For you are with me. Am I convinced that God is with me? What would it take to be convinced? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do I let God comfort me? Do I seek his comfort often? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Is God's treatment of me how I treat others? Is God's treatment of me how I treat others? You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Is my cup overflowing? What would that look like? Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. Do I know what God's goodness is? 
Do I know that God's goodness is what defines me? And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Have I realized that I am secure in God's presence forever?